Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. You know, it's very easy to look at marriage to be looking like a contract than a covenant. And uh, I want to talk to you a message this morning entitled, Love Without Loopholes. Love Without Loopholes. Now, all relationships go through turmoil and experience moments of conflict. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a conflict relationship. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you haven't been alive long enough to experience. Right, some of you are like, I don't even want to raise my hand. I don't want anybody to acknowledge me. Listen, we never mature if we don't go through those moments that trial our lives. Those moments that give us that push to question. And the biggest question marks in our lives are the relationships, isn't it? Because we're not in control of the person around us, or at least we shouldn't be. Is that right? We can't be in control of the people around us. And so what my, my, my thought is simply this. How is it that we often get this part wrong? That love has loopholes. You see, when you try to define love, you get a lot of definitions, right? So we have a few uh, wonderful dictionaries here uh, to kind of help us to define some things. And I'll get to that in a moment. But, But how do we define? Because love is a characteristic of God. And he's given us this opportunity to love people, and we were designed to love people without loopholes. Did you know that? We were designed to love like God loves. But something went terribly wrong. Something went wrong when we started to define love, when we started to look at what are the exceptions. And truth, watch this now, truth is meant to be transformational. Did you get that? I need you, for those of you that, um, maybe you when you came in, can I get one of those sheets that we handed out this, one, this morning? Usher, can you get an usher to help me? You should have gotten a sheet on the way in. Thank you so much. He'll replenish you in just a moment. But you should have got one of these sheets, Love Without Loopholes, as you made your way in here this morning. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. One of our wonderful ushers will get to you. Ushers, help me out. But I want us to understand something. Truth is meant to be, say it with me, transformational. Truth is meant to be, it's meant to be transformational. Why? Because truth in and of itself liberates us from lies. You with me? Truth liberates us from lies. And so, what, what happens is truth loses its transformational effect when it's done without love. You with me? 
Tell them I call them back. Truth loses its transformational power when love is not present. Look at me. When love is not present, truth starts to fizzle. Why is that? Truth is truth no matter what. But guess what? You can tell somebody truth in a rude way or you can tell them in love. Guess which one they'll accept? Probably the one, most likely, that's done in love. Why? They're both truth, but the one done in love opens up for transformation. Listen, that's why the Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. Some people look at that verse and go, love, I thought only the blood did. It absolutely does. The only thing that covers sin is the blood of Jesus. Is that right? That's not a misdoctrine. That's not something in the scripture like, oh my goodness, that's, that's something that competes with what the scripture says. No. What the author's trying to say is, when you got something wrong, if you did it in love, people will look at you and go, I know what your intentions were, so I can forgive you. Love covers a multitude of sins. So when you do what you do in love, hello married couples, you can tell truth in love. And when you do it in love, transformation is available at that moment. We're talking about timeless love in this series that we just, just two weeks ago we opened up. And, and this is the third uh, part of this series where we talk about how love itself is defined very differently from man than it is from God. Are you with me? Nod your head if you're with me, let me know. Okay, so again, I, I, I come back to the statement that I made earlier. Love is a characteristic of God that God has given to each of us and we were designed to love. How many know you were designed to love? You were designed to love. You know how you, you, we know that we were designed to love? Because when you hate or hurt people, you feel that and you feel there's something wrong. When you hurt somebody with your words or your actions, in and of yourself, whether you feel like you were justified or not, because there are times that you could hurt somebody verbally. Physically, that's easy. To hurt somebody physically, that, that happens. But, but listen, when you, whether it's physical or, or verbally, uh, verbal sort of um, hurt, how many know that it still takes time to heal? The whole sticks and stones thing, big lie. Big lie. Fake news. Okay? Sticks and stones will break bones, but words will always hurt me. That's the way it should have been said. Why? Because love is ingrained in us. If God is love and he breathed in you, guess who is born in love? We are. We have that love in us. So we know when we hurt somebody and what we try to do is reason, how can I get out of this without feeling dumb? How can I get out of this without feeling like I did something wrong? And that's the natural tendency of the flesh, isn't it? We want to get out of a situation without feeling like we have to explain ourselves. So 
when this happens, when truth happens and you do it without love and transformation doesn't take place, the efficiency of our words mean less and less and less. Did you know that when you don't have love in your voice, your words fall a lot quicker? They're dense, they're heavy, and they'll fall on deaf ears. People won't hear you. But if you do it in love, God allows that to float and change lives. Are you with me? I got a good word for somebody this morning. So whether we're conforming to the world or conforming to be more like Christ, the big question has to be, where is truth in the matter? Am I accepting truth? Am I speaking truth? Or am I going to continue to live in the lies that the world often feeds us? Yes? You ever turn on, have you turned on your TV this week? I guarantee you were lied to several hundred times. You need this product for only $19.95. 66 easy payments of $19.95. You were lied to. You were lied to. Somebody lied to you. Love is an interesting thing because God is the source of all love. And we have a way of trying to (laughs) define what that looks like. So let's look at man's response to love. What happened this past week that has to do with love? Well, let's talk about Valentine's Day for a moment. All right. Despite the sluggish U.S. economy last year, let me give you some stats. Media team. Media team. The stats. Okay. I'll tell you them. Americans spent $24 billion with a B. On Valentine's in 2022. Billion. $24 billion in Valentine's in 2022. The most romantic age group <laughs> was 18 to 24, but, but it was the, the 25 to 34-year-olds who planned and spent over $160 on average. Now watch this. Men spent an average of about $163. Women spent about 84. Some of the most, (laughs) I'm telling you facts, people, by averages, by the way. Some of you are like, shoot, my chocolates cost more than $84. And I know because I bought chocolates before. Some of the most popular gifts that men said that they they were to buy, number one, which one do you think it is? Thank you, thank you, sir. You got it right on the head. 58% bought flowers, 45% candy. And what was the third one? What do you think is a strong third one? Jewelry. Jewelry for sure, 26%. Some of them said it's going to be chocolate or jewelry. It can't be both because both of them are expensive right now. I'm so romantic. Some of y'all like, <laughs> I heard somebody say, I'm so romantic. I got, my, I got my wife something very expensive. I got her a full tank of gas. Come on, somebody. Let's go right now. I am spoiling her. Mm. Full tank. Go to premium, baby, because I love you. 
full tank of gas because I love you. <laughs> On average, 190 million Valentine's Day cards are sold each year, according to Hallmark. And America's 22,000 florists shops sold over 214 million roses for Valentine's Day each year. We're in the wrong business. We need to start growing roses. That's man's response. Are you with me? Man's response. Heaven's response is this. When God showed the world his love, he sent and he spared no expense. He sent the ultimate gift that purchased our lives that you cannot purchase at a store. He gave his son, Jesus Christ. Timeless love was defined by God. And as we opened this series and we talked about love, the past several weeks, week one we defined, love defined, and last week we talked about love busters. This week we're talking about loving without loopholes because how many are grateful that God loved you without a loophole? I'll love you whilst you attend church every week. If you don't attend church every week, my love for you will fall and I will never love you again. How many know that you're really glad that's not how God thinks? Some of you got really scared for a moment. You're like, is that what this church believes? <laughs> no. We believe God loves you in spite of all the things we could ever do wrong. That's the timeless love. That's the love without loopholes that God is calling for us to embrace toward each other as well. Are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? So when we talk about love without loopholes, today I'm going to share with you something that I believe uh, will, will touch you and minister to you. Because, you know, we're talking about marriages, but we're talking about relationships. But guess what? How about, how about we understand that our love and our walk with God is a relationship as well? So allow me to talk about that relationship that God has with us so that we can then turn that kind of love and attention toward our neighbor. Because if we love God and we don't love our neighbor, the love of God is not truly in us. Are you with me? That's why we do what we do as a church. That's why we, have, we affect and change people's lives. Because if we have love for God but we don't love our man, our fellow man, then what are we doing right now? Right? So allow me for a few moments, I want to I wanna talk with you about a verse that's very familiar to many of you. You see them at a baseball game sometimes. You may see a sign held up, somebody, you know, you know John 3, 16, you know, kind of thing. And, and you got that going on in, in, in sporting events. But it's so much more because John 3, 16 has been called the heart of the Bible. That verse, John 3, 16, while it's widely known, Right? Some of you remember, some of you memorized John 3. Raise your hand if you're proud. You, you got John 3.16 down. Some of you are like, I know scripture. <laughs> if you know John 3.16, it's a good start. But if that's all you know, you need to come more. Just I'm just saying. There's more, there's more. There's more in there. There's 65 other books that have great scriptures in them. 
So what we're looking at here is a, a passage of scripture. Grab your Bibles and grab your notes because I'm going to give you nine fill-ins. Are you ready? I'm going to give you nine fill-ins at this time. Not all in one shot, but follow with me. For those of you that need pens, they're at the end of your rows. Take a look-see, and we, we have provided pens for you. Uh, ushers, give me a little bit of light so people could see. And it goes like this. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let me read 17 and 18 just just because it's there and just because it means something to the 16. Because a lot of people read 16 by itself, but you got to read 17 and 18 to understand the full body of it. And it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, contrary to what the world would say. You with me? Contrary to what the world would say. Right? He sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he is not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So I need you to understand something. In the original Greek, there is no quotation marks, so we don't know if it was Jesus that said this and John is repeating him. Or if John is just declaring, according to the Holy Spirit, that God so loved the world. Are you with me? So we, we have to be understanding of what we're reading because whether they were spoken by Jesus or spoken by John, these words are inspired to us for a reason. So allow me, if you would, as we look at John 3.16 and we learn about God's love by examining this one verse, piece by piece, and what it means. So allow me these nine, for, probably for the only time in my life, I'm going to have a nine-point sermon. Hello? Some of you are scared to death right now. But they're not that long. Follow with me. Some of you tremble in fear, and you're thinking, Jesus, come soon. But no, no, I promise you, let me, allow me just a few moments to put this in perspective for you. Number one, for God is the greatest Lover. For God, in John 3.16, shows God to be the greatest lover of them all. He loves everybody. He is the greatest one to show love. The greatest lover. If we wanted to learn and learn the meaning of the word love, we might look in a dictionary, right? We got some provided here this morning, very big ones, very awesome ones with a lot of big words, a lot of meanings, a lot of verbs and adjectives and pronouns and nouns. And, but if you wanted to define love, you would look at something like this and try to define what that looks like. But the Bible says that God is love, right? We see that in 1 John Chapter 4, verse 8. And we also see more of that in verse 16. God is the one that defines love. Who defines love? God, right? So if we want to know what love is, cue, cue that song. No, I'm kidding. Don't. We must know who God is and what he has done. I don't want to get kicked off Facebook or YouTube right now. 
God is the one that loves the greatest. He is the greatest lover for God. The second part of that verse is for God so loved. So loved means the greatest love. So the greatest lover gives the greatest love. God so loved. Right? So if we look at it, the word so emphasizes the intensity of the love of God. For God so loved the world so much. Right? For God so loved. The greatest love. Here's how the dictionary Uh, Let's say specifically the Webster's Dictionary defines love. Number one, strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, maternal love for a child. Fair? The mother's love for a child or father's love for a child. That's love. That's one of the loves. Okay. Number two, attraction based on sexual desire. I'll leave that there. It's the physical love that heals. Stop, you're not helping. Your your laughter is making me want to continue. Have you not gotten that? Love is in the air every time I look around. See what you did? You started this. Let's define, (laughs) that's real love though, isn't it? Matt, stop, Matt. Love is very real. Love cannot be ignored. That is a real side of it. And we got to talk about it because the world talks about it plenty, but they've made it ugly. They've made love look like lust, and that's not how God intended it. Friends, love is done right within marriage and the confines of marriage. And it's done between a man and a woman. And I will never, ever apologize or redefine that. That's the way God intended it and that's the way I believe it. Love was intended between a man and a woman to be married and come together. And that's when love And this definition exists, and it should exist. If love is done in this manner without the marriage covenant, that is done outside of love, and that is called fornication. And that is not something God will bless. Also, God will not bless you wanting somebody else's spouse. God will not bless that either. It's intended within the confines of marriage. That's how God wanted it. But I want a window shop, God. I want to test the car before I buy it. That's what got us in trouble. Too much testing. Some of you are trying to have controlled laughter. I love it. I see it in your face. You're like... It's okay to laugh in the house. It's okay, Zach, let it out. Because God wanted us to have joy, and so he created love. According to the dictionary, love is only shown to those who are easy to love sometimes. 
because the third one is affection based on admiration and benevolence or common interests. Limited. A limited definition of love is found in our books. Let me turn to another book. This book shows us how to love unconditionally. Why? Because it shows us the love of one who gives the greatest love and loves unconditionally. That is God, our Savior. Somebody say amen. amen. His love is without limits. His love has no loopholes. It's a love that extends to everyone in the world. Number three, the world. For God so loved the world. The world is the greatest need. How many know that the world is the greatest need? You with me? Some of you, I know I work with somebody right now that's the greatest need. How many ever work with somebody that you think they're the greatest need? Like that person needs Jesus and they need love. Some of you, I get a lot more amens on what I just said than the other truth, but that's all right. I'm glad you're with us. The world needs love. Sweet love. It's the only thing. The world means people. The world is a group of people. Thank you. I bless you too. He knows I need it right now. God's love is not limited to a few. God blesses the world and loves the world so much because he knows, watch it, he knows that they need it. The world needs love. More of it. As much as we can, spread it. You know, to love someone doesn't cost much. To care for someone and give them hope doesn't cost much. Some of you are like, well, you haven't seen the jewelry I bought my spouse. That's love and it cost me much. That's not what I'm talking about. See, the Bible describes humanity as sinful, and we've turned away from God. By and large, many people have turned away from God. But I'm telling you right now that there's a remnant right now beginning to be birthed in the lives of people. There's people that want to know the love of God, and they're tired of religion telling them one thing and people doing another. They want to know God. They want to know what it means to love God and know God and to have an acceptance of him without loopholes. They don't want the strength of religion they want the they want the depth of relationship they want the passion of God compassion for people and they want to know that they're heard and understood and that's the world we live in today what I realize in my life today is that there is a great need in our world. No matter who we are or what we look like or what we've done, we are valued by God. The Bible describes humanity as sinful. Raise your hand if you agree with that. The Bible tells us that humanity without God is sinful. You know why they're sinful? Because they didn't tap into the love that God intended from the beginning. It's lost love. Sin is life without love. 
We often look at things and we go, you know what? That's wrong. That's right. That person did good. That person did bad. And we kind of point it as, as if kind of like we, uh, we like roll a dice and see what happens. No, no, no. The reason why sin came out, the reason why sin, look at me. The reason why sin affects people is because people started to act without love. And that's where sin was birthed. When Adam and Eve acted without love, that's where sin was birthed. And now everyone is following in suit because they want what they want instead of what the father said is okay. So no matter who we are or what we look like or what we've done, we are valued by God and he loves you and me the same as he loves every other person on this earth. Now, if you would, allow me for a moment. Okay, let's see what we got going on here. It's a tenth spot. Come on up here, bud. Give it up for my friend over here. Give me, come on real quick. Come on up here. Come on up here real quick. Tell everybody your name. James. James. Everybody say hi, James. Hi, James. James, I got a $10 bill. Clean $10 bill here, right? Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question. Is this a good $10 bill? Yeah, okay. Is this still a good $10 bill? Is that still a good $10 bill? Yeah, okay. Is that still a good $10 bill? Would you accept this $10 bill? I just stepped on it. Do you still want it? You don't want it? I do. Do you want this $10 bill? But I just crushed it. I crumbled it. You still want it? It's yours. He didn't give a rip that I stepped on it, crumbled it. It's still, it's still something. I jumped pretty good on that, by the way. I might have tore two or three things in my body right now. But. but can we agree that that paper didn't lose its worth? Didn't lose its worth. Some of you are like, I'm coming to church more. It pays to sit in the front row, by the way. They're the only ones I pick. You back rowers, y'all need to get with it. That's never lost. No more illustrations, Matt. Easy. He's like, if you got a few more in there, I'll be glad to help you. But it's very easy to create a loop. Go, well, but, 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 but I'm crushed, God. But I'm crumbled. My life is. God says, oh, but you don't understand. You're still worth every bit you were before. The greatest need. The world looks at the crumbling and the crushing and the breaking. And the... See, someone once said this. In the gospel, we discover that we are far worse off than we thought and far more loved than we ever dreamed. We 
are far worse off than we thought, but far more loved than we ever dreamed. That is the world, the greatest need. Number four, that he gave, that he gave is the greatest example. God is our continual example of love because the greatest is that he gave. That's the greatest example. Love is self uh, love is self-giving for the benefit of others. It's giving out of ourselves to benefit others that may need it. God demonstrated his love for us by giving his son, number one, by sending him into the world, and two, by sending him to the cross. And Jesus said, I will go. 1 John four eleven, dear friends, since God is so loved, we also ought to love one another. Timeless love, loopholeless love, no loopholes. I love you. And when you stood before your spouse, for rich or for poor, his sickness and his health, whether you like their name yeah. or not, <laughs> right? What was his name? Lawrence. Is that right, Lawrence? In sickness and in health, till death do you part. He gave. He gave. Love gives. Love gives. Number five, his one and only son. That's the greatest sacrifice. See, centuries before God gave the world his son, another father was asked to give the same sacrifice. Are you with me? That father's name was Abraham. Do you remember that? God said to him, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice them here, him there as a burnt offering as one of the mountains, and I will tell you about it in Genesis chapter 22. Do you remember that story? If you don't remember that story, bookmark Genesis 22, read it. God told Abraham, go and give up your son to me. And in the end, Abraham discovered that God only wanted to test his obedience. And Isaac was spared, but Jesus, God's son, was not. God went through with it. And how many are grateful today that the only son, the one and only son, was the greatest sacrifice man has ever seen? Amen. I'm grateful today. He sacrificed his only son. In the story, Abraham and Isaac, we find the first occurrence of the word love in the Bible. The first time we read the word of love in the Bible is used to describe the affection of the father for his son. See, when we turn over to the New Testament, the first time we find the word love in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, is when God says of Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you see the parallel there? Jesus is God's one and only son. And some versions may say only begotten son. The Greek word means unique or chosen. Believers are called sons of God, but Jesus is the unique son of God. Isaac is called Abraham's one and only son in Hebrews eleven seventeen. Abraham had another son, Isaac. Uh, Abraham another, had another son, but Isaac was unique. He was given to Abraham by God's promise. 
And so when we look at the Bible talking about Jesus being the son of God, people often misunderstand what that means. And they don't understand that Jesus is not the son of God in the sense that he is the offspring of God. Jesus is eternal. And he didn't have a beginning. The Bible clearly states that he, before his birth, before, before his birth in Bethlehem, he existed in spiritual form as the son of God, described only because Jesus' relationship with the father showing us what true love is. The Bible presents Jesus as being unique to God, the father, yet subordinate to him as a son is subordinate to his human father. Showing us an example of what it means to follow because you love. It all comes back to love. Number six, that whosoever, I'm so glad the word whosoever is in that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever, that's the greatest invitation. That whosoever is the greatest invitation. Since God loves the world, his invitation is extended to everyone. No one in this room and no one listening to me is exempt. That's, ex that, that's extended to you too. Number seven, believes in him. That's the greatest response. The greatest response is that we will believe in him. The greatest thing we could ever do is see God's love and respond to it. That's the greatest response we could ever respond. How many know it's important to respond to your mama and your wife? Your mama and your wife. Your daddy too. That's a whole nother thing. Greatest response. Respond to the father. Respond to your father. Understand that there is a very real response and he wants a response from you. See, not to respond to God is to respond. Not to respond. You, let me say it like this. I'll probably, it'll probably be less uh, verbally Less, less confusing. To not respond is to answer. You're still answering. And the answer is no. I don't want anything to do with you. To not respond to God is to say no. That is an answer. And he invites you to himself. And those that believe in him, that's the greatest response. Number eight, will not perish that parish that's talking about is the greatest horror. Hell is real. I need everyone to understand this. There are churches that will not say what I'm about to tell you. Are you ready? Heaven is real. Hell is real. Some people, some churches won't tell you that. But I want to tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Heaven is real. God is real. Satan is real. Hell is real. If there's anything that's less real than the others, it's Satan. And here's how. You say, what does that mean? I'm saying he's so counterfeit, 
he's hard to catch what exactly is Satan, where he is and the devil and what he's doing. Are you following me? He's very, very real. I'm not saying he's not real. I'm saying he's real, but he's hard to see because he comes as an angel of light. That doesn't make him less real, but it's less exposed. He is very much under the cover and he wants you to deny God and everything that comes with him. So God is asking, are you willing to live life more abundantly? Are you willing to deny me and perish? Because hell is very real. That's the greatest horror, my friends. Number nine, but have eternal life. But have eternal life. That is the greatest gift. Listen, the, the most important decision I've ever made in my life was accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Hands down. Most important decision I've ever made. Best decision I made. How many are with me? Best decision ever. Come on, somebody hashtag best decision ever. Coming to church this morning, hashtag best decision ever. I got a free piece of paper that they made me fill out half of it. But I got to see Pastor Tony jump on a $10 bill. So there's that. But the greatest, second greatest gift, the second greatest decision I ever made in my life was choosing my wife. Most important decision. Some of you are like, that's not that important. Oh, yes, it is. If you're going to live with that person the rest of your life, it's very important, my friends. You with me? I'm glad I chose you, and I'm glad you said yes to me, by the way. I paid her a lot of money to say thanks to say yes to me, but, you know. Not sure what, yeah. Greatest decision, why? The reason why, when we looked into each other's eyes, we realized one thing is for sure. That there was a timeless love that she had for her Savior. And that was the most attractive thing I could ever see. I dated other people in the past, but her love for God was mesmerizing to me. I don't know what she saw in me, you ask her later. But I can only speak my side of it, choosing God and choosing my wife were the two most important decisions I ever made. Don't you go ahead and just randomly say, this person's hot, this person's nice, this person treats me well. Because some of that stuff will fade. You want to look at the worth of a man? You want to look at the wealth of a man? You could look at his wrist and his watch. You want to you find out the worth of a man? Look at his worship. Ladies, choose carefully. God has someone that will honor you the way Christ honors the church. The way he loves us. A timeless love. And if you're a man in this place and you have a bride, a woman, a spouse, a wife, a mother, you have someone that you, uh, you call your spouse, love that woman the way Christ loved the church. That is your call. 
Don't give excuses, just results. Love the way Christ loved the church. That's what God is looking for. See, all of us have two options. We can, we can put our trust in Jesus Christ and receive the gift of eternal life, or we can refuse to put our trust in Him and just go about our life as it is with the danger of condemnation. Not that God has condemned you, but we have condemned ourselves and not receiving the gift of eternal life. There's not a single person in this room that God has condemned you before you left this earth. He's given you the greatest offer. And while we don't have number 10 on your sheet because it's one that I'm giving to you now, it's this. John 3.16 is the greatest promise. The greatest promise. And that promise is available to every single one of us. The greatest promise is this. He loves you to the end. Let's turn that timeless love back to him. Amen. Father, thank you for these people. People that have sat and they've heard me, thank you for the promise of your son. I pray today that they would find that love, that grace that you offer them today. In Jesus' name I pray. May they walk in that timeless love that you've given them. Everyone at the sound of my voice, I'd love for you to repeat after me. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, let me walk in timeless love the way you want me to. Allow me to offer hope and love to those around me. Family, friends, and foes. Lord, I pray, use me. Father, I pray for every person at the sound of my voice today that they would receive that greatest promise, Jesus. They would walk in timeless love. In Christ's name.